got to say some thank yous. We've had a lot going on in the life of our church, as Brett mentioned. Um, we've had some service projects that we've been doing, some different opportunities for people to engage with their community. Um, I want to thank all of you who participated in the Samaritan's Burst Christmas box thing. I really appreciate that. We had over 40, I think. I'm not exactly sure how many, but we had a lot of people participate with that, so thank you for that. Um, we had a whole bunch of people rake a whole lot of leaves at a whole lot of lawns, helping out our neighbors in need. And so thank you to everyone who participated in that. Give yourself a round of applause. And then I don't know if you're aware, but we've got a big move coming up in the new year, all right? And so we're moving into a new building, well, new for us. It's a, a pre-owned building, yes, we'll call it that. Uh, it's a space that needs a whole lot of work, but yesterday we had a work day, and we had like a third or half of the church just show up and help out with that. People, I lost count of how many people were there. People just kept coming out. We filled a 30-foot dumpster. We filled it. What's that? 30 yards? Sorry. I say, yeah, we, that would be easy, wouldn't it? That's not that impressive. That's not impressive at all. 30 yards, we filled that bad boy up, and then some. We've got contractor bag stuff that needs to go out, and so we had a great productive day. So thank you to all of you. Give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you for participating. We really appreciate that. As Pastor Sean mentioned today, we'll have an opportunity for really for you to be baptized. If you've never been baptized, if you know Jesus as your Savior and you want to make it official and stand up before this group of friends and declare that you know Jesus as your Savior, you'll have an opportunity to do that. Uh, we talked about baptism last week, explained what it is and what it isn't. And basically, baptism is this outward sign or this public expression of an inward reality, of an inward change. And so some of you in this room, in fact, probably a lot of you in this room at this point in your life, you know Jesus as your Savior. You've accepted him as your Savior. And then the Bible tells us that after we accept Jesus as our Savior, we go through this public ceremony, this washing ceremony. And that's what the word baptism means. It's just a washing and so I know in our modern day, in our culture, we don't have a whole lot of ceremonies. The only ceremony we really celebrate is weddings, right? Wedding ceremony. Anybody go to a wedding this weekend? There we go. See, almost every weekend there's a wedding, right? And so at a wedding ceremony, what is a wedding ceremony? It's two people standing up in front of a whole bunch of other people witnessing that and saying, okay, we're making a commitment to one another. We love one another. And you stand up and you go public with your relationship. You go public with your commitment. And that's essentially very similar to what baptism is. It's this washing ceremony. When you stand up in front of other people in some kind of a public arena like this, and you have some water poured on you, or if, you, if we had the space, you could get dunked in some water. But the water is involved, and that water symbolizes washing off the old you so you can become the new you. And that's what baptism is, this public expression of this heart change, of this commitment you've made to accept Jesus as your Savior. Now, i tell you what. This might be a, a bit of a dangerous confession, but... Um, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to following Jesus, uh, I know I'm like a pastor and all, but there's so much of this that I'm still figuring out. <laughs> so much that I'm still figuring out. I've been a Christian for a long time, and like going to Bible college and then went to seminary, and I've been a pastor for over 10 years, which is like, I know, how, how could I be a pastor for that? I'm so young. How could I be a pastor for over 10 years? That's what you're all thinking, right? So I'll just say it. But, but there's so much I'm still figuring out. In fact, if, if you've been to our Monday Night Bible study this year, my goodness, what a, what a year it's been. So many of you have been reading the entire Bible over the course of this year, and you come out to Monday Night Bible study with your questions, and you ask your questions, and what do I say to your questions? 
Oh, right? So often I say, I don't know, or I'm not sure, or here are some options as to what this could mean, but we're really not sure. There's so much that I'm still figuring out, and I think that's okay. You know, sometimes I feel guilty about that. Sometimes I feel like I should be further along than I am, but the reality is it's a lot to handle. And I guess it's good to always be asking that question. You know, what does God want me to do today? How can I love Jesus and others in this moment and this time? So much that I'm still figuring out. I've had some highlight moments throughout my Christian experience. Um, I grew up in a Christian church in a a Christian setting, and um, I was taught Bible stories from a a very young age. My Sunday school teacher was named Mrs. Sipple, I think when I was three, four years old. Is my mom here? Yeah, Mrs. Sipple, because it sounded like Mississippi, and I always had to think twice. Don't say Mississippi, say Mrs. Sipple. So... So it was back in the days of flannel graph boards. Does anybody remember flannel graph boards where they had the characters? I found some flannel graphs, by the way, in the old church, and I saved them, okay? So I don't know. I might have some props coming up in the new year. Wait and see. Kids are going to love it, flannel graph. But I remember learning and seeing the little flannel graph Moses and the flannel graph, you know, Abraham and the different stories and Noah's Ark. The Noah's Ark one was fun because you had all the animals in the ark and all the little characters going like this. But I remember even at an early age being taught that there was something different about Jesus. He's not like just some other guy in history that we read about in the Bible, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that somehow he's both the Son of God and he is God, which try to wrap your mind around that when you're a kid, you know, as an adult. Like, how does this work? It's impossible, and yet it's a reality. And so you learn these things, and at some point along the way, I was taught what we call the gospel message. And that term gospel just means good news. And the gospel message is this, that that God sent Jesus, his son, into the world to die on the cross for my sins and the sins of all of humankind. And whoever puts their trust in Jesus as their Savior will receive that forgiveness and eternal life in heaven. And so I was taught that over the years, and that was explained to me over the years. And as a child, you accept that. You you don't really question it because an adult... An authority figure is telling you these things, and so, well, why would they lie to me, right? And so you accept these things. But there was a moment when I was 11 years old where things changed, where something became more formal in this understanding that I had. The year was 1992. And uh, if you're trying to do math, that means I'm 39. Anyway, um, the year was 1992, and uh, Billy Graham, anybody ever hear of Billy Graham? Um, he would do these crusades, he'd travel around the country, and he'd set up shops somewhere, and he'd have these, these meetings, and he'd preach, and he'd always preach that gospel message, he'd preach that. So there's a lot to talk about in the Bible, there's a lot to teach from in the Bible, but he focused, that was his ministry, he's an evangelist. And so our church took a group to go see Billy Graham, uh, he had at least a couple nights at Vet Stadium, does anybody remember that? Okay, yeah, right. some of us... And so he did that. I forget how many nights he was there, but I was 11, and a church group, we went to go, go hear him talk. And what's pretty wild is uh, just this past week, I went on YouTube, and you can find his, isn't that crazy? You can find his sermons from those meetings. I'm like, whoa, I totally remember this, right? And so even though it was all those years ago, I still remember a lot of what he had to say. And so there he was, and he based his message on John 3.16, there's a a book in your Bible, it's John, it's one of the Gospels, one of the biographies of the life life of Jesus, and this one verse, John 3.16, if you spend enough time in a church setting, you're going to hear it, you might have to memorize it, I remember going to VBS and making crafts that had John 3.16 on it, 
an old cigar box with little pieces of tape on it that said, what is this craft I'm making? What is this cigar? I don't know. Some weird craft. But it said John 3.16 on it, and I had to memorize it and all this stuff, and you get points if you memorize it, and then you can buy stuff from the VBS store. I don't know. I was traumatized as a kid by VBS stuff. Anyway, but it was all good trying to teach this message of what the gospel is, what the gospel is, and Billy Graham taught on John 3.16, and some of you may have this memorized, and I'm not going to try to all say it together because that's always awkward. We've memorized it in different translations, but essentially, here's the bullet points. Regardless of the translation, here are the bullet points. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not die or perish, but will have eternal life. That's it. And so that's what Billy Graham preached on. And I'd heard sermons on that before, and I'd heard Sunday school lessons on that verse before. And since then, since 1992, I've heard a whole bunch more sermons on that verse, and I've preached a bunch of sermons on that verse. In fact, several years ago, I heard one of my favorite preachers, Andy Stanley, give a message on John 3.16, and he explained it in a very fun way, a very Andy Stanley way, if you're familiar with him at all. He says, John 3.16 essentially says this, God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. Isn't that Andy Stanley all over? He's got these little cute sayings. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. And that's what this verse tells us. And this verse has been called the whole Bible in one verse, the the most essential message in all of Scripture in one verse. And in this verse, and the reason that so many preachers preach on this verse and so many VBSs are oriented around this verse is because it's so impactful. It's where we enter into the story of God. and tells us that God so loved all of us the people in this world. He loves us all. And you could stop right there. Forget about reading the rest. Stop. God loves us all. He loves all the people in this room right now. He loves all of you who have already accepted Jesus as your Savior. He loves all of you that haven't. He loves everybody that's on the fence. He loves everybody that's in a church service right now and everybody who's not. God loves us all. God loves us all. He loves us so much that he gave us his one and only son. Well, what do you mean gave? It's like, okay, the gift, this idea, it's a sacrifice. It's a gift. He gave us this sacrifice. He gave us this gift. Last week, we talked a little bit about John the Baptist as we were explaining baptism. And John the Baptist, he's the first one to identify Jesus as the Messiah in his adult years. And he calls Jesus, he gives Jesus a specific title. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And the idea is that that Jesus is this Lamb or this sacrifice that God presents to save humankind. And so it's not just like a simple gift. It's not like, okay, you know, Christmas is coming up and you're buying some stuff for people and you're going to give them some gifts. And some of those gifts may be expensive and some of them may be kind of junk. You know how it is. This was an expensive gift that God gave to you and to me. It was very expensive cost him the life of his one and only son. That's no small thing. So God so loved us that he gave us his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, now see, I'm not crazy about that term, believe. I feel like it's falling short of what really, of what John was talking about, this idea of believe. It's not just believing that Jesus existed. It's not just believing, okay, he was a good man and all this. It's putting your trust in Jesus that he can do this thing, that he can save you and nobody else can. It's sinking into quicksand, and you've got a rope, and you're going to die if you don't get somebody to save you, and you've got to choose who's going to save you. Am I going to try to save myself? Am I going to trust this person? Am I gonna... No, I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm putting my trust in Jesus to save me, to pull me out of the certainty of death, and to give me life. I'm not trusting in myself, 
and my own capacity for goodness. I'm not playing the comparison game where I say, well, I'm, you know, I'm better than that person over there. I'm not doing that. Trusting in Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever trusts in him won't die, but will receive, instead of death, eternal life. And as we read on in the scriptures, as we read on in the New Testament, we understand that's eternal life with God the Father in paradise. That's what Jesus promises us. And so there I am hearing Billy Graham preach this message about John 3.16 as an 11-year-old boy. And after he was finished, he said some prayers, and then he had this opportunity. He said, if you would like to accept Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you to come on down to the field and meet with one of our prayer counselors. They're going to say a prayer with you, and we'd love to spend that time with you. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting next to my dad, and um, how on those just, just awkward, kind of uncomfortable, almost embarrassing moments. Do you ever have one of these kind of embarrassing moments in a church setting? You might be having one right now. Anyway, just one of these things where it's like, oh, man, do I really need to go down to the field? Can I just say a prayer here? And haven't I, did I already say a prayer? I don't know. Is this, is this even necessary, right? Do I even need to do this? And I was going to have to, you know, I can't go down by myself, so I was going to have to ask my dad to take me, and he's going to be like, you don't need to do that. I don't know. So I just had one of those embarrassing, kind of awkward, spiritual kind of situations, right? Am I the only one? Anyway, so I was going through this, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to ask. And so I asked my dad, can, I, can, you know, can you take me down? I want to do this thing. Said, okay, sure. So, and I wonder, I, I wonder what he thought of that experience. If he thought, I just, I, I never got a chance to ask him, unfortunately. And so he took me down to the field. And a bunch of people there, I'm like, this is cool. It's like a twofer. I get to accept Jesus as my Savior. I also get to see where the Phillies play. So great, fantastic. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. So we go down there, and um, there's a bunch of these prayer counselors. And I was like, what do we do now? And so one of these prayer counselors found us, and uh, he was a shorter guy with a mustache. Can't remember his name. I wish I knew his name. Anyway, so he, he met with, with my dad and I, and he... Um, he gave me a, a copy of the Gospel of John, and he said, you can read this, and then we said a prayer together. I don't remember all the words to that prayer, and it doesn't matter. I remember the pieces. And in that prayer, I confess the fact that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I confess the fact that I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I accepted that gift of salvation. I did those things. And that's when things got extra awkward this man started crying, all right? And at that point in my life, I'd never seen a grown man cry <laughs> in real life. And it was, it was a special moment, but it was so uncomfortable, but uncomfortable kind of in a good way, if that makes sense. Uncomfortable in a good way. Because at that moment, as an 11-year-old kid, I realized that I was signing up for something bigger than I could possibly understand. And that's how it is, isn't it? So many of you in this room, you said yes to that gift of eternal life. You had no idea where Jesus would take you from that point. <laughs> I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> here I am, this many years later, pastor of a church and friends with all of you, and I had no idea this is the life that Jesus was going to lead me into. And I said yes to Jesus before I had it all figured out. 
Like, hang on a second there, Graham. Let me look this stuff up for myself. Let me do some research. Let me consider my other options. Let me really figure out what does this mean? If I say yes to this, what does this mean for my life? I did not have all the information, but I had the essentials, and I had enough. And even to this day, when I feel overwhelmed by what it means to be a follower of Jesus, even when I feel like, man, there's so much I still don't have figured out, at least I have that essential piece. God so loved me that he gave his one and only son for me and for all of us. And I have accepted him as my savior and I have eternal life. I can hold on to that. Even when everything else seems so complicated, I can hold on to that one essential truth. And so Jesus, we meet him in in the gospels and we see what he says to, to Nicodemus in John chapter three. And Jesus, he goes on and he preaches to other people and he performs miracles and eventually he makes his way to the cross And last week, I told you about how when Jesus is talking about his death coming up, he says, I have a baptism to undergo. He speaks of his crucifixion as a baptism, this dying, this rebirth, this thing. And so he uses that terminology. And so Jesus does die on the cross for our sins. And he's there. He experiences that separation from God the Father that he had never experienced before. And somehow this mysterious and wonderful transaction takes place where he takes his sins into into his body and dies. And those sins die with him. And then he raises on the third day. And his disciples, I mean, you can't even imagine how thrilled they were to see their rabbi back. And he gives them further instructions before he ascends into heaven. And he says to them, okay, disciples, now you need to go and make more disciples. You're never going to graduate to rabbi, right? That's what he tells his original disciples. You're never going to graduate to rabbi. You're always going to be disciples, and you're going to be disciples that make more disciples. And those disciples are going to make more disciples. You're going to teach them to obey everything I commanded you, and you will baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, less than two months after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, there's another big holiday that takes place in Jerusalem. It's the... um, the holiday of Pentecost. It's this kind of harvest festival, and so many people were gathered in Jerusalem. And at that point, the Holy Spirit fills the apostles, fills the the apostles. And Peter stands up and gives this message. He gives a sermon, and essentially he preaches the gospel to people. He explains who Jesus is, that Jesus was and is the Son of God. In fact, some of that sermon, the tail end of that sermon is there in your bulletin. And there were thousands of people that heard this message And some of the people that were hearing Jesus preach this were the very same ones that demanded Jesus be crucified, but now they understood the truth that Jesus was and is the Son of God, that he is the perfect sacrifice, that perfect Lamb of God. They understood this reality, and the Scripture says that they were cut to the hearts. They realized this is the Messiah. They realized what they had done. They realized that this Messiah took on their sins, and they said, what should we do? And Peter says, Repent and be baptized. And on that day, thousands of people were baptized. They didn't have it all figured out. (laughs) None of them did. Peter, who was preaching the message, he didn't have it all figured out. The people that were baptized, they didn't have it all figured out. But they knew one thing. They understood the essential truth that Jesus is the Son of God. And in him, we can receive eternal life. There was a lot of figuring out that needed to happen after that point because once you had all these people baptized, then you had a church. The first church ever was a mega church with thousands of people. Big. They figured out, all right, how do we be a church, right? It's all stuff that they had to figure out. But they started with this essential truth that Jesus is the Son of God. And in him, if we receive that gift 
of Jesus, we can receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That much they knew. That much they understood. I don't know your story. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you've spent a whole lot of time in a church setting but never accepted Jesus as your Savior. And if that's your story, that's a fine story to have. But I tell you one thing that I do remember from Billy Graham's sermon. He did preach with a sense of urgency, right? And I know, you know, sometimes preachers get accused of using fear tactics and all that. And I wouldn't say it was fear tactics. It was just a sense of, of urgency. Of why not accept Jesus as your Savior today? You can figure out the rest later. We'll figure it out together. But if you know, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you have an opportunity to accept him as your Savior today. And we can't all walk down on vets, you know, the, the, the field at Vet Stadium together. We can't, well, it doesn't exist, so we can't do that. But we, can say, but we can say those prayers right here and right now. So I don't know your story. I don't know. And here's what I want you to know. No matter where you are in your life right now, no matter what you did last night, no matter how you spent your week, no matter where you are right now, Jesus loves you. God loves you. Jesus died for you because he loves you. And God wants you to be connected to him. He wants to see you in heaven with him. He loves you that much. He is your perfect heavenly father. So I'm going to take a moment now to say a prayer. All right? And this is a prayer of rededication for me. It's a prayer just to, to remind myself of, of how I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I'm going to give you some time, a moment of silence during this prayer, where you can accept Jesus as your Savior. This isn't a magic formula. There are no magic words. This is just an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus, for you to receive the gift of eternal life that he has made available to you. Let's pray. Father God, we're still figuring it out, trying to wrap our minds around your profound love for us. There's so much we don't understand in this world, but Father, we know, we know that you love us. We've seen it. You've proven your love to us. You've sent us, Jesus, to be our Savior. You, you sacrificed your one and only Son on our behalf. And Father God, you remember you remember that moment so many years ago where I said yes to you. And Father, I want to use this opportunity now in front of my church family to say yes to you once again. Yes, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. Yes, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I'm not going to trust in myself for my salvation. I put my trust in you. Father God, there are people in this room right now that want to say yes to you. And during this moment of silence, hear their prayers as they accept your free gift of salvation. Father God, we thank you for what you have done for us. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. We thank you for the gift of the new life that you have given us. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.